You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday, where we've got a good bit to talk about when it comes to your New Orleans Pelicans. First, we're going to do season in review on Kenrich Williams, the kind of surprise undrafted guy for the team who ended up starting and playing a significant role in what was a lost year for the Pelicans. Then we're moving ahead to free agency. Why is it being brought up now in terms of the Pelicans and Anthony Davis? And why is it something we probably don't need to talk about? I'll give you the reason on that. And then we're going to take a look at what's going on between Portland and the Denver Nuggets. Because it's pretty interesting to see the way Denver is defending Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, who was absolutely amazing in the first round of the playoffs against Oklahoma City. What are the adjustments that Denver made? And you're going to kind of see some similarities between them and what New Orleans did last season. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, the Kenrich Williams season in review. Undrafted Kenrich Williams, who didn't even play with the Pelicans in Summer League. He was instead with the Denver Nuggets squad during that time out there in Vegas, but then brought in as an undrafted free agent for training camp and impressed and was a very long shot to make the roster, but did. And then you didn't really see him for a little while. And it wasn't until late January when he started getting significant minutes. It wasn't until January 29th in a game against the Houston Rockets that he played over 20 minutes. And then it wasn't even until February 4th that he started his first game. But once he started his first game for the Pelicans, he went on to start the remainder of them. That was 29 starts in a row for the undrafted rookie who averaged over 23 minutes per game this season. Not too bad for a guy who I don't think anyone really thought would be in the NBA, let alone one playing over 1,000 minutes in the league this season, his rookie year. On the year, he averaged 6.1 points per game to go along with 4.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists, and a steal per game. He shot not great on 6.1 attempts per game, 38.4%, under 40, certainly not good. And his three-point shooting was very inconsistent at times as well, shooting just 33.3% from deep. But he added a lot to this team that doesn't really show up in the stats sheet. And there's a reason why he was starting that many games and getting praised regularly by the coaching staff, Alvin Gentry, and some of the other players out there. Part of it was his rebounding, where he has an uncanny knack for going after offensive boards, keeping possessions alive, and for grabbing a defensive board when the team really needs to stop. He had four games going over double digits um, in terms of rebounding and almost ten, uh, nine games of double-digit scoring. And it's just kind of a guy who's out there doing what needs to be done, doesn't need a lot of shots. His offense comes and goes and was wildly inconsistent this year. There are a couple of games where he goes out and you're like, oh man, he has potential to be kind of a rebounding and shooting wing for this team. 
And then other nights he's going one of six from deep and he can't find that three-point shot whatsoever. And that's kind of been an issue for him. So getting that to be a little bit more consistent certainly is going to be a very key thing for him going forward and for staying in the NBA and for being a big contributor. You know, it was a lost season for New Orleans, as I've been saying. They could afford to play him multiple minutes. But at the same time, you know, when you're relying on Kenrich Williams for 23 and a half minutes per game and maybe doing something like that again next season, not ideal, not what you want if you want to be playing competitive basketball because his limitations are out there and you're often playing four on five. It doesn't really matter this past year, but going forward, that's certainly not going to work. But they have high hopes for him. And if you can contribute in other ways, the rebounding and playing adequate enough defense which is something that he did. It wouldn't You wouldn't call it amazing, but he wasn't atrocious um, like some of the other guys and some of the other wings that we've seen out here on the team. He ranked seventh on the team in defensive rating um, to kind of give you an, uh, an idea of where he falls in terms of that. And you could say he was one of maybe the better defenders in terms of people who played significant minutes out there on the court. I don't think we really need to talk about Stanley Johnson. So that kind of gives you an idea of how he contributes there. You can throw him on some wings. He's going to get eaten alive by a guy like Kevin Durant, but that's why you have Drew Holiday to kind of take that. So he can develop a couple other things. He's a rotation player, not a starter, but overall pretty good year for him for a guy who had almost no expectations coming into the season and is that kind of glue guy on the roster that really can, you know, contribute and add something to it and having guys that are just hungry on your roster on the bench in games in practice I think there's something to be said for that and so we'll hopefully get to see Kenrich Williams do it again so that's his season in review so before we get into free agency Kyrie Irving and if that impacts the Anthony Davis sweepstakes whatsoever because I was asked that on ESPN radio here in New Orleans yesterday gotta tell you in the mornings when you get in your car on your drive to work tell your smart device to play podcast locked on Pelicans to get the latest episode up there every morning for you ready to go on your commute or do it when you're coming home whatever's easiest for you but it is easy to play the Locked On Pelicans podcast whenever you need to. Just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Pelicans. So Kyrie Irving in free agency, and the reason I'm bringing this up is I've seen it kind of thrown about on Twitter a lot recently, and I was asked about it on ESPN Radio here in New Orleans by my good buddy Gus Cattenyale. And this isn't a shot at Gus, it's just I understand why this is a question and we kind of need to address it here and now because I don't think it's really going to be a thing that people are hoping for. And that's you look at Boston with their series with Milwaukee going down 3-1, Kyrie Irving kind of having a really poor series, a couple of very bad games, and he just looks like he doesn't want to be there whatsoever. Might be foolish to leave, but that's another story. He just doesn't look like he wants to be in Boston right now. Maybe it's just during the playoffs and they're kind of done and this roster has got a lot of flaws, but he doesn't seem like he wants to be a Celtic anymore. And let's go with that. So let's say he plans on leaving in free agency. Well, if he leaves in free agency, does it impact how Boston is going to be trading for Anthony Davis? Does that make them more inclined to trade for Anthony Davis? Does it make them less inclined to trade for Anthony Davis? It's a good question, right? Not really, unfortunately, and I'm here to tell you why. And that's because by the time we get to free agency, which starts basically July 1 at, or you know June 30th, 31st, whatever it is, at midnight, it, it should be done with the Anthony Davis trade. 
They're not going to wait till free agency gets started, so Boston's not going to know if Kyrie Irving's going to stay there or not. This trade is likely going to get done in maybe a week when we have a better idea of the NBA draft lottery order, and it's next Tuesday, a week from yesterday, so we should have some clarity then. Or it's going to get done likely around draft night when a deal will get knocked out and cool, you're done because draft compensation is likely going to be involved in this. And you want to be able to pick the player that you are going to, you know, uh, have on your team if you're going to trade for a pick and not have to kind of take back a guy that was already drafted. Go back to a couple of years ago when Kevin Love was traded from Minnesota to the um, Cavaliers where they had already taken Wiggins number one overall. But what if the Cavaliers didn't like Wiggins? What if it was a year where, you know, they drafted Anthony Bennett number one overall and that wasn't the dude you wanted? might make a trade tough to get done then. So you want to get this done sooner rather than later. It's why you saw that Jimmy Butler trade from the Bulls to the Timberwolves get done on draft night. It's why you're likely going to see an Anthony Davis trade get done on draft night. Not 100% set in stone on this, though, because you saw the Paul George trade get done, I think, on the eve of free agency in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard was traded late kind of in the summer toward closer to the start of training camp to the Toronto Raptors. So there's precedent that it might not. But when you have a guy in such high demand and the amount of offers likely to be coming in and the draft compensation being so important to it, I think the Pelicans want to be able to select their own guy and not maybe have to kind of wait for a future pick um, to be included or to not have to get the guy that they want and just have someone who's young with potential that maybe they weren't as high on. So I don't think Kyrie Irving's free agency decision is going to factor into the Anthony Davis trade at all because it's already going to be done at that point. However, if you're Boston and you're worried about losing Kyrie Irving, maybe trading for Anthony Davis gets him to stay. And so maybe it impacts free agency that way, kind of the reverse of what we're thinking here, because Kyrie Irving gets tired of not winning, things not going well, while all of a sudden you pair him with a tremendous player like Anthony Davis now, maybe it makes it a little bit more appealing to stay in Boston and kind of deal with the growing pains that they're going through right now. And if it's going to impact free agency, it's going to be that way where Anthony Davis is kind of the guy that gets others to come join him or other players to stay where he's been traded to. And I don't think you're going to really have it go the reverse, which a lot of people are thinking right now. So, you know, if you're out there and you're wondering, maybe we can make some moves in free agency and convince Anthony Davis to stay, by the time free agency starts, likely going to be kind of done already. So I think... That's really how it's going to go, and that's kind of the timeline for everything when it comes to an Anthony Davis trade. So obviously a lot going on in the next couple weeks, and the best way to keep up with it is, of course, to subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast through the Himalaya podcast app. There are a lot of podcasts out there. They're always having more added to it, and it's tough to kind of sort through and find things that you want to listen to. Well, the Himalaya podcast app makes it a whole lot easier for you with personally curated playlists of podcasts based off their smart algorithm and the things that you listen to. So make sure you download the Himalaya podcast app from whatever the app store is that you use and subscribe to Locked On Pelicans. So the second round of the playoffs have been a lot more fun and closer than the first round was, which went all chalk, and we didn't really have a ton of really close series. One that's really interesting to me and has been kind of a lot of fun to watch, also what, they had a 3-4 four, four overtime game, 
is the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. I'm recording this right now when Denver is up by about 31 points at the start, basically, of the fourth quarter in their game five here with them about to take a big lead in the series up a game. And it's interesting to see how this has progressed. Damian Lillard was outstanding in the first round of the playoffs against the Oklahoma City Thunder, averaging 33 points per game, including a 50-point game where he hit that unbelievable walk-off three to win it. That was so cool. He looked like one of the best players in the world. This is a guy who's an all-NBA player for the past couple of years, but really elevated his game and his level of play in that first round series. And it looked like he was going to carry that over against the Denver Nuggets, scoring 38 in game one. But as this series has gone on, they've really found a way to contain him, containing a dude who then still averages uh, 27 points through the first four games of the series. And here, as I'm recording this, he's 22 points on 21 shots on the night going into this one. So I think they've really kind of figured out. And when you watch how they're defending him and slowing him down, it's really a similar style of defense to what the Pelicans did to Damian Lillard last season. You pick him up early. This is a guy who hit that shot from basically one of the logos against Oklahoma City to win the game and the se- and close out the series. You pick him up there. You can't give him that much space because either he's going to be able to shoot it from there and he's really good at that kind of real long distance shot or he gets a full head of steam going to the basket and he's tough to slow down when he's going downhill. Um as he as he tends to kind of get with that much space. It's an issue. So when you trap him Far, far, far in the backcourt, you have to, it forces him to get the ball out of his hands. You saw the Pelicans doing that with Rondo, with Drew Holiday last year, and sending either a hedge or a full-on double team and just getting the ball out of his hands. It doesn't help that they keep playing Al Farouk Aminu so many minutes per game, a guy who basically has zero offense with this team. He's one of eight in the game tonight, 12.5% shooting. And you put Anthony Davis on him, and then you just don't guard him because who cares? If he hits a couple of threes, he hits a couple of threes, and that's not the norm. And it allows Anthony Davis just to kind of protect the paint so you can do that double team against Damian Lillard. And then if he finds the open guy who then wants to drive, you got AD right there because you're not really worried about Al Farouk Aminu. And you're seeing the... De- uh, Denver Nuggets do the exact same thing. They have Jokic down low, guarding Al Farouk Aminu, and basically just playing off him to be the help defender on the paint should Damian Lillard drive, or if he gets an open guy who then sees a lane to the basket because they're double-teaming him, and it's working. And this is how they've cooled off Damian Lillard, basically kind of employing the same thing that we saw last year and containing him as much as they really can. It's... Not an easy thing to do, but it's working a little bit. And, you know, this is why they're likely up in the series. Though, as I say this, they go on a run now, and the lead when I started recording was 31 points. It's 22 points now. So things are changing a little bit. We'll see. It maybe gets hot and goes off. Who knows? Um, But they're kind of showing off what the Pelicans did last year, which is kind of cool that it was the Pelicans who kind of figured out this blueprint to really kind of stymie Damian Lillard, who looked like he was the best player in the world in the first round of the playoffs. So it shows what New Orleans really did right last year, which is just didn't carry over, obviously, with their playoff form. But man, they had some smart coaching decisions. Things really figured out in that first round sweep of Portland. And you're seeing the Denver Nuggets employ a lot of the same concepts. 
So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelican season in reviews continue throughout the rest of the week and probably into next week as well. And we'll keep diving into all the topics you want to know with this New Orleans Pelicans team. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, download the Himalaya podcast app and subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.